Hello, Disney fans, and welcome to the show. My name is Austin Terrace, and I'm joined here today by my two wonderful sisters, Kylie. Hi, everyone. And Emma. Hey, everybody. Coming up on this episode of Disney Daydream, details about the Star Wars-themed hotel are announced. New Mary Poppins and Moana-inspired attractions are coming to Epcot, and we finally have more details about the next Disney cruise ship. Later on, we'll tell you everything you need to know about the newly opened addition to Disneyland and Hollywood Studios, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So take a little break in your busy day, and let's start daydreaming. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram at Diz Daydream. You can like us on Facebook at Disney Daydream Podcast, or just shoot us an email to say hi at DizDaydream at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We want to know who is listening to the show. And before we get into the news, we have a very, very exciting announcement to make. Disney Daydream is now on Patreon. If you're not familiar with the site, Patreon is a place where fans of YouTubers, bloggers, podcasters, artists, and musicians can go to pledge monthly financial support for their favorite programs. Unfortunately, just like everything else in the world today, operating this podcast comes with a cost. We have to pay to acquire and maintain our equipment, we have to pay to license the music that we use, and we even have to pay a hosting service to keep our show available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and all those other streaming platforms that you might be listening to us on. We're hoping that this Patreon page can help defray some of those costs and can allow us to bring you engaging content on a more frequent basis. Together, we hope that we can create a tight-knit and inclusive Disney community that celebrates all the magic that a Disney trip can bring to you and your family. If you're interested in possibly becoming a patron, a patron, sorry, we've made it really easy for you to choose a donation tier that fits your budget. And believe me, we don't take this request lightly. We want to reward you for your patronage, and we've created some really exciting perks that we think you'll enjoy. We call our first tier Boarding the Magical Express. And for just $3 a month, Kylie, Emma, and I will send you a genuine thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We know that every single dollar is going to help us take the show to the next level, and we'll be really excited for you to become a member of our Patreon family. The next tier that we have is called On the Monorail. For $5 a month, you are going to get exclusive access to a mini-episode hosted by one of us each month. So these mini episodes are going to kind of be things that are near and dear to each of our hearts, but maybe they're not kind of big enough topics to do on a full episode. And maybe sometimes even a couple of us will come on to host. Our third tier goes up to $10 a month, and we call it Through the Entrance Gates. 
With this one, you will receive access to that monthly mini episode, and you're also going to get a personalized shout out on our next podcast episode. Our $15 a month tier is called Strolling Down Main Street. With that one, you will get access to our mini episode, a personalized shout out on our next episode, and a limited edition sticker each month designed by Emma. And Emma is a really, really brilliant artist, so we know that you'll enjoy having those if you choose to be part of the Strolling Down Main Street tier. And of course, last but not least, for $25 or more per month, you can be part of our All the Way to the Castle tier. And with this one, of course, you'll get that mini episode, you'll get the personalized shout out, you'll get the sticker each month, and you'll get to select any Disney topic under the sun of your choosing for us to discuss during a future mini episode. Let's say that you really want somebody to rank every Pixar movie from their favorite to their least favorite. Maybe you want to know about a specific restaurant or an in-depth look at a specific resort. Then feel free to join that all the way to the castle tier. You can send us your episode request and for a future mini episode, we will cover that topic. So I just wanted to say that it's not easy for us to go and ask you for this money, but we're really hoping that this Patreon site can really become sort of like a family. And we just want to stay connected with you guys. And we think this is a good way to do that and also to be able to improve the content that we give you. There are certain equipment needs that we have that we would love to be able to purchase in the future. And we even want to expand and bring you guys more shows um, on a more frequent basis rather than every other week. But in order to do that, we have to pay more for our um, hosting service. So all of those improvements, unfortunately, do cost money, and that's why we are turning to Patreon. So please just give us um, a look. Our Patreon page is patreon.com slash Disney Daydream, and the spelling of that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Disney Daydream. So one more thing about Patreon before we move on. Our first 10 patrons are going to be entered into a drawing for a piece of Disney art created by our very own Emma Terrace. Like I said, she is a great artist. You will definitely want to put this piece of artwork up somewhere in your house, but that can only go to one of our first 10 patrons. So check it out. Join any of our tiers because everybody from all five of those tiers are going to be entered into that drawing. Okay, now moving on to our news I apologize if this episode is a bit longer than the others, but D23 happened. We had to talk about Patreon. There's just a lot of news and developments that are going on with Disney right now. (laughs) The biggest of which might just be the details about the Star Wars hotel that's actually not much of a hotel at all, but rather an immersive space cruise called the Galactic Star Cruiser. So this was it. This was the big announcement that Disney teased a day after Universal told the world that they're building Epic Universe. Last episode, we hypothesized about what the big announcement might be. We kind of threw around the idea. Maybe it was something about the hotel. We threw around maybe it was a huge announcement about the cruise ship. So who would have thought if we just combined those two things, we would have been right on the money. 
Guests will now have the chance to be whisked away on the Halcyon, where they will be active participants in the stories that unfold around them on their galactic journey. This is a two-night adventure. It begins at Walt Disney World. Guests will board a launch pod that takes them out to the Star Cruiser. All of the windows on the ship will have views of outer space, and we have concept art that shows characters, including the First Order officers and Chewbacca walking through the lobby. Cruisers are going to have their choice of many activities to do during this experience. They can choose to take a planet excursion to Batu, the home of Galaxy's Edge. People can face off against a training remote in lightsaber training. Or they can discover hidden places on the ship to meet characters who are having secret conversations in planning sessions. You can even go up to the dock and learn how to fly the spaceship. Just to clarify so no one gets freaked out, this isn't like an Elon Musk SpaceX type of project. The Halcyon won't actually be flinging you into space, although it is unclear at this point whether the Halcyon will actually move or if it will just kind of feel like it's moving, but you can rest easy. You will be remaining on the ground for your entire trip. There's no official opening date yet for the space cruise, and I've only actually seen one website list an initial price point. It's from Polygon, so it's not been confirmed by Disney yet, but they said that a cabin on the Halcyon will sleep five people, and the cost will start at $3,300. So this price point is something I wanted to discuss with you guys. Does it seem low? Does it seem high to you? There's no question that this will be a totally kind of niche, immersive experience. And my thought is that by Disney standards, so I have to make that Uh, very clear by Disney standards. It actually doesn't seem ridiculous to me if you get the perks of a regular cruise. So if you have all of your meals included, and maybe even if they gave you that ticket to visit Galaxy's Edge, and that wasn't an add-on cost, then the $3,300 for two nights and five people, I don't know, it doesn't seem too ridiculous if all that's included. But what do you guys think about that price point? When I saw that price point initially, I was very turned off. But I think part of that for me is that I've never been a huge Star Wars fan. Um, As I started to think of it in terms of, okay, well, what if this was a completely immersive Harry Potter experience where you could stay at Hogwarts and um, imagine that you were living in Hogwarts for a few nights, I would definitely pay that kind of money to do something like that. So I definitely think Star Wars has that following where there are people that are going to be super excited about this. And this is going to be something that they've dreamed of since watching their first Star Wars movie. And for those people, I don't think it is a ridiculous price, especially if things are included, like you were talking about with food and your trip to Galaxy's Edge. Personally, I don't have a great grasp on money, but I feel like this is a reasonable price. Not positive, but just ultimately it sounds absolutely amazing, and I would totally love this type of thing. And I'm personally not the one paying for it, so I don't know, but like, (laughs) I'd pay that kind of money to do it. (laughs) not paying for it yet. So enjoy that (laughs) while you can. Yeah, I'm just trying at this point not to rain on anybody's parade. I'm sure this is like incredible for a huge chunk of people who are super, super into Star Wars. Again, I like Kylie and don't consider myself in that group. Um, But 
in terms of the other things you could do at Disney, I mean, you can stay in certain hotel rooms if you want to get your bungalow or cabin and pay more than that. So yeah, in terms of Disney pricing, it seems fairly reasonable. But Kylie, what do we have going on at Epcot? Because really, in addition to this Star Wars announcement, Epcot, I think, was the huge winner at the D23 conference. There's a ton of new stuff coming out to Epcot. Yeah, Epcot is basically getting a complete overhaul. Um, A ton of changes were announced at the D23 conference, and ultimately, most of these changes are in an effort to make Epcot more relevant, more family-friendly, and even more Disney, some people are saying. So this resulted in an announcement for two new attractions. The first is a Moana-themed attraction called Journey of Water, and the second is a Mary Poppins attraction coming to the United Kingdom Pavilion in the World Showcase. So Journey of Water is not really a ride. It's more of an interactive attraction. It is a lush exploration trail where guests can meet and play with magical and living water. That was pretty much all we got from Disney except for some concept art. We know the trail will be going over by the Seas with Nemo and Friends Pavilion. It'll be leading into that area and it will consist of a number of interactive water features. So this could be a really fun attraction for families and young kids to kind of explore and learn more about water. Uh, As far as the Mary Poppins attraction goes, Disney was, again, very vague with this announcement, only that they will be expanding on the United Kingdom Pavilion to create Cherry Tree Lane, which is straight out of the Mary Poppins movie. Um, Guests will be able to walk past Admiral Boom's house, and you can enter number 17, where the Banks family lives. From there, it just says you will enter the house and your adventure will begin. So they were very vague about what the actual attraction will be. It's rumored that it may be some type of dark ride. It might be some type of show. Before the announcement was made, people were speculating they might create some type of spinning ride. But now that it's pretty clear that it's going to be in the house, rumors of that are starting to fade But something I thought was interesting was I read that funds from the original Mary Poppins movie helped to secure to build Epcot in the first place. So it seems really cool that the first Mary Poppins attraction to be built on any Disney property is going to be built in Epcot. I'm super excited about that. Uh, Timelines for both of these attractions were not announced, but some people are thinking that they're going to rush these and have both complete by the 50th anniversary That seems a little far-fetched to me. I think it'll probably take a few years for these to be complete. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, they have a lot going on. So if Disney hasn't put out an announcement of a specific date, I'm not going to buy that they can get everything that they want to get open by 2021 actually open. Also, this was kind of, I think, a a bit surprising because the lead-up to D23 everybody again was just like, nope, this is going to be the year. We're going to get a specific date for Brazil to open in the world showcase. It looks like that's never going to happen. I don't, <laughs> um, I, I don't really know why, but it seems like now this is like year 10 where people are 
being like, okay, they're about to expand the world showcase. Like Brazil's coming in next. And it just hasn't happened. Like they do these things during food and wine festival, but I just don't think that Brazil is going to get a spot there. Um, I just think it would have happened by now. And also with the journey of water, I, the, the announcement was so vague. I just want to know how will we actually be interacting with this water? Like, (laughs) what is this thing going to be? What is it actually going to look like? And I think the area that's between the land and the seas with Nemo and friends is not that, it's not that big. It's kind of like off to the side of the park, right? Like, is this going to be pretty small? It's not going to be between the land pavilion and the seas pavilion. I've heard that they think it's going to be where imagination or um, innovations that building was. So they're going to completely tear that down and make that into a trail. That's what people are gathering from the concept art that Disney has released. However, that hasn't been officially explained. Wow. Because I know they're keeping at least one of the innovations buildings, but if they demolished that one over on that side, and wow, that could be pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, Emma, are you excited about any of these attractions? I'm excited about both. Uh, I'm interested to see how... I'm interested to see what exactly Journey of Water is. When I hear the description, the vague description, it kind of sounds like a splash pad type of situation to me, which is interesting, but I think that would be fun for the little kids. Oh, Um, honestly, I hope it's a lot more than that. Oh, so do I. (laughs) But looking at the concept art, it does look really cool. And I think it's cool how it's going to be subtly Moana rather than full-blown Moana. Right. Like, this uses attraction with huge quotation marks. It's not going to be this ride type of thing. You're just going to walk through and explore this area from what we know now. Um, also, the concept art for um, Cherry Tree Lane, it looks like it's from the Emily Blunt Mary Poppins Returns, doesn't it? Because you see a drawing of a man that looks a lot like Lin-Manuel Miranda up on one of the uh, lampposts. <laughs> so I, I wonder if this attraction is, is going to be kind of in the Mary Poppins Returns in the movie that they're creating after it, because they are going to keep on going with that thing and make making another movie too. So, Yeah, I've heard some people are actually really excited about that. They think they might create some street performance situation with the lamplighters. And there are a lot of street lamps already in the UK pavilion around the World Showcase. So they think it could be a really cool opportunity to do that. However, I hope it does give some nod to the classic because that will always be my favorite Mary Poppins movie. But that's just my opinion. Same. Completely agree there. (laughs) Completely agree. Okay, moving on then to the next cruise ship and Disney's new private island. What did Disney say about those things, Emma? Disney, again, kept things vague, but Disney has officially announced that the new cruise ship is named the Disney Wish, and it will be sailing from Port Canaveral in 2022. This is Disney's fifth cruise ship. The other names 
are the magic, the wonder, the dream, the fantasy, and now the wish. So they're all in the same category, and I think they're really fun names. The ship is going to feature Rapunzel on the stern, and it will have a three-story atrium. Disney also announced that two more ships are scheduled for delivery in 2022 and 2023. And all these new ships are actually going to be powered by liquefied natural gas, which I think is really cool. Um, Compared to the Disney Fantasy and the Disney Dream, which are already absolutely massive at 129,690 gross tons, these ships are going to be about 144,000 gross tons. And Disney also announced a new private island and that will be called Lighthouse Point in the Bahamas. Disney will be using conservation methods to preserve the bohemian culture of the island and combine that with Disney magic. Disney has also agreed to develop less than 20% of the property, employ sustainable building practices, and establish environmental monitoring programs during both construction and operation. And Disney has confirmed that they're not going to begin construction until an environmental impact assessment has been approved by the government of the Bahamas. Of course, I'm really excited to see new ships, but I'm even more anxious to see what they do with Lighthouse Point because Joe Rohde is going to be behind it. And he's the guy who created Aulani, basically all. And he's he's great at like working in the natural environment and the culture of the area into all the projects that he he does. So I think Lighthouse Point could be something that's really special. A lot of people were upset when they heard that Disney was going to be purchasing another private island. They were worried about conservation efforts and um, the environmental toll that the cruising tourism industry takes on islands but honestly I think that the island could not be in better hands I think Disney has shown time and time again that they truly value the natural beauty of these places and conserving them and um, making their efforts as green as possible so I'm really excited about it I'm super excited for the new ship as well I just love to cruise so I can't wait to try a new ship out Right. And the design of this new cruise ship in the atrium looks like a huge departure from the other four. Well, it's massive. And also just if you haven't seen the concept art, you should go look at it. Because um, if you're familiar with the magic wonder dream or fantasy, this is like it's just something totally new. I think all four of those ships, like, of course, the wonder and magic are fairly small, but In terms of that Art Deco design, they're all fairly similar in that sense. And this one now is much more like fairy tale-like, I think. But stay tuned. We will be giving you a complete comprehensive overview of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. That topic is coming right up. Last week, we talked about 
how Disney's big rebuttal to Universal's Wizarding World of Harry Potter was their announcement of a Star Wars-themed land called Galaxy's Edge that would appear in both Disney World and Disneyland. That announcement came back in 2015, and since then we've seen Disney acquire Lucasfilm and release massive amounts of concept art to drum up excitement for this expansion. When you enter Galaxy's Edge, you're stepping foot onto the planet Batu, specifically on Black Spire Outpost. This is not a planet that exists in any of the Star Wars trilogies. In fact, the only structure that you'll recognize is a replication of the Millennium Falcon. Everything else that you see on the 14-acre expansion, from the merchandise and food stalls in the Black Spire Outpost to the really huge rock statues in the Resistance Forest, those are new creations that are set in the time of the current Star Wars trilogy. Almost everybody that I've listened to or read has been universally impressed with the detail that's gone into creating this place. You've got etchings and symbols representing the native Batu language, and then you have these winding pathways and narrow alleys that are beautifully offset by open courtyards and lush greenery. Disney Tourist Blog states that this is the pinnacle of organic storytelling through themed design. So if you're familiar with Cars Land or Pandora, think of that type of idea but expanded and on ridiculous steroids. Guests are actually encouraged to take part in their environment. So you're going to have to determine whether you're joining the Resistance or supporting the First Order. There are no meet-and-greet locations in this place. That would not really be in step with their idea for this land. Instead, you're going to see characters like Chewbacca, Kylo Ren, and First Order officers engaging and interacting with the land. Their commitment to storytelling is going to extend even to the regular cast members. They act as residents of Batu, and they've been encouraged to come up with a unique identity and backstory. Just some other odds and ends in this place. Money is called credits. Cast members are going to Um, speak to you with fun phrases like bright suns for hello and till the spires for goodbye. And four years and a billion dollars later, we finally have Galaxy's Edge open on both coasts. And the bar has been raised again with regards to what a theme park can be and what true immersion can look like. So there are two main attractions in Galaxy's Edge. Emma's going to give you an overview of that and all of the really, really cool eating options and drinking options that are available to you if you go. So first of all, we've got um, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, which we talked about on the last episode. So just a quick overview. It's a combination of Star Tours and Mission Space, but better. And each rider gets their own role as you fly the Millennium Falcon through space and you have to complete a mission. A new ride is Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, where you battle against the First Order. This is going to open on December 5th at Disney World and January 17th at Disneyland. It's a four and a half minute ride, but a 20 plus minute experience. So this full experience includes a pre-show, A bus where you're shuttled to a launch place, the bus gets hijacked, you get off at a First Order base, and you get on a prison vehicle, then the ride technically begins. So overall, this is a very long attraction. It is trackless, 
and a simulator, and it has a medium thrill level. You ride in an eight-passenger vehicle that has two rows, and this attraction will include 305 state-of-the-art animatronics. So moving on to the eating and drinking options at Galaxy's Edge. Within Black Spire Outpost, there are a ton of different options for authentic and culture-specific dining. According to Disney Parks blog, Black Spire Outpost is described as a once busy crossroads on the galaxy's edge now surpassed by the rise of hyperspace travel. The infamous village is a thriving port for those traveling between the frontier and uncharted space. The outpost also serves as a home to those who prefer to stay out of the mainstream as well as a safe haven for those avoiding the reach of the First Order. Batu is a very remote planet, so they have a history of farm-to-table style dining, and every dish has a deep cultural story and is inspired by the unique spices and cooking techniques of the planet. So that brings us to Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo. This is where your eating and drinking options are located. Basically, this is a transport shuttle on a large hangar, which is a designated location for traveling food shuttles. We've got Tug's Grub. Their motto is a traveling diner for diners traveling, which I thought was really funny. They serve new and unusual exotic dishes inspired by the planet Takadana. Some of their entrees are anything from smoked kadu ribs to Ithorian garden loaves. For dessert, they have oi oi puffs and batu bonds. Some non-alcoholic drinks are moof juice, fatro batubucha tea. Pronunciations are difficult because I have no idea what these words are. And everything sounds like nonsense, but the pictures look incredible, trust me. Another restaurant, not restaurant, drinking place, is Oga's Cantina, where you can enjoy otherworldly concoctions while listening to the music of the cantina's resident DJ, DJ Rex, who you might recognize from Star Tours. Um, for alcoholic drinks, they have 10 specialty drinks. I know nothing about alcohol, so I'm not sure what any of it means, but the names sound cool and the pictures look cool. One of them is called Bespin Fizz, and they have a bunch of fun names similar to that. For non-alcoholic drinks, they have coffees, teas, blue bantha or blue milk, juices, powerades, and lemonades, and of course, all with cool names like Carbon Freeze. They also have something called Oga's Obsession, which is lemonade, cotton candy flavor, and blueberry popping pearls with a bursting dried fruit mixture. In addition to that, they have beers, ciders, and wines on tap. Next, we have Ronto Roasters, which is a barbecue place, and we have Katsaka's Kettle, which serves a very unique outpost mix, which is popcorn with a colorful blend of sweet and spicy flavors, and they also have a milk stand that serves blue and green milk, if you don't know what that is, it is a frozen plant-based blend of coconut and rice milks. So that is a lot 
And as you can see, this the immersive nature of this land is going to extend to the food. This is not a place you can go to get a Coke, <laughs> like <laughs> at least not in the traditional bottle. So you're not going to see the regular brand name things everywhere like you would someplace else. So if you want, you know, your hot dog, hamburger type of thing, then you'll have to take a step outside of Galaxy's Edge because while you're there, you're going to eat the Batu natives food. So next we have Kylie uh, giving us an overview of this interactive data pad experience that you can do at Galaxy's Edge, along with all of the wonderful shopping areas and merchandise that you can buy. So Disney has begun introducing this new app called Play Disney Parks app across all the theme parks, and it allows you to access different games and interactive activities when you're in certain areas of the park. So when you enter Galaxy's Edge, your Play app is going to transform into your own galactic data pad that will allow you to navigate around Black Spire Outpost in a whole new way. Um, the data pad includes four main tools, the hack tool, translate tool, scan, and tune. The ultimate goal is to help your team control the outpost. So all of these things allow you to do that, whether you choose to side with the resistance or the first order. So the hack function allows you to interact with different droids throughout Black Spire Outpost and hack into different devices and control panels. If your hack is successful, you'll be rewarded with galactic credits and unlock achievements. Now, these galactic credits are not real. You cannot use them in real life to purchase things, but it's like any other video game where you would be learning, earning money and achievements like that. The translate tool allows you to scan the written language. So all of the signs on Batu are in the native language of Batu that Disney has created. They're symbols. You can't even really make out their alphabet. So with this translate function, you simply aim your lens at the sign you want to translate and the English translation will come up on your screen, which is a super cool function. Uh, and really makes it feel like an immersive experience. The scan tool allows you to scan different objects in the spaceport and find hidden items. You may find special cargo or various digital goods. And again, these will you can give these to the team that you're fighting for and they will reward you with different unlock achievements and things like that. And lastly, the Tune tool allows you to listen in on satellite transmissions and hear stories of the different residents of Batu throughout different areas of the park, which is super fun. So essentially, this app is an interactive video game that allows you to play and interact with the park in a different way. Uh, and specifically, while you're in Galaxy's Edge, these functions won't work just anywhere. You have to be located within the park. The app also includes in-queue games for Smuggler's Run and Rise of the Resistance, which is really nice when you get those high wait times. You're able to play different games and have fun as a group. You can even play some of these games on multiplayer to kind of bide your time as you wait for your ride. Uh, when you complete any of, these any of these missions, you earn rewards, and some of these include galactic credits, ship schematics, and star maps. And you build your, on your experience each time you visit. So if you're logged into your account, when you come back on your next trip, your progress will still be logged into your phone, which is super fun. So moving on to shopping, 
You're not going to find the plastic toys here that you might find at a big box real retailer. You're going to find specific things that were made for Black Spire Outpost, which Disney has really fully committed to this job. You're also not going to find anything related to Galaxy's Edge because that would be off theme. You're going to find things that you would find if you were truly visiting the planet of Batuu. So the first big ticket shopping area, which has everyone really excited, is Savi's Workshop. And this is a scrapyard that is a front operation for a secret lightsaber building workshop. And here you can take part in a 20-minute build-your-own lightsaber experience. And it takes place in the Chamber of Guardians with the help of the gatherers. So this is really um, very theatrical. If you've ever gone to Harry Potter World, it reminds me a lot of the experience with um, going into Ollivander's and having someone chosen to have a wand choose them. Um, it feels very much like that. It has a lot of special effects that combine entertainment with shopping. You even get a visit from Yoda at the end after you complete your lightsaber. So the downside to this is that it does cost $200. And it's recommended that you reserve ahead of time. That's definitely a downside. You can't just walk in and participate in this like you can with Harry Potter World. But on the other hand, in Harry Potter World, only one person gets their own wand that shows them, whereas anyone can participate in this experience. Uh, something similar to this that is offered in Black Spire Outpost is the Droid Depot, where you can build your own droid which sounds really cool to me. This is definitely the thing that I would want to try to do. You're able to pick your own parts off a moving conveyor belt, and then you assemble the droid however you want with whatever colors and um, style of parts. And you can even choose a sound chip to change its personality and the way that it sounds. And you then run a di diagnostic check and power up your droid. And then you have your own remote-controlled droid that communicates with other droids in the outpost. So as you're walking around Black Spire Outpost, your droid might make a noise and it is communicating with one of the uh, animatronic droids that is around the spaceport, which is super cool. This reminds me of a Build-A-Bear experience, ultimately, but it will cost you $99.99. And of course, the additional sound chips, accessories, anything like that are going to be extra. And it's recommended that you get a reservation to do this as well. Moving on to some of the more accessible shopping experiences, we have Doc Ondor's Den of Antiquities. And each shop in Galaxy's Edge has a very specific backstory with a very specific shopkeeper um, and like theme as far as the shopkeeper. So Doc Ondor is a bad guy. He runs this black market, basically, and there's even an animatronic of him that guests can barter with to try to lower the price on your items, but it says that he's never known to cave, which, obviously, they're not going to let you get away with that. But here you can find um, Jedi and Sith artifacts, pre-built light legacy lightsabers, so you can get like Kylo Ren's lightsaber, things like that and one-of-a-kind treasures from different eras of the Star Wars galaxy. So these are going to be your very specific re replicas of elements from the Star Wars galaxy. 
And then moving on, they have the Creature Stall, which is essentially an alien pet store. Here you can get interactive toys that move and make noise when you play with them. And the collection includes Tauntauns, Puffer Pigs, Wampas, Warts, Rothtars, Kowaki and Monkey Lizards, and Porgs. And the store is filled with all kinds of creature animatronics that make you feel like you're in a true alien pet store. Next, they have the Toydarian Toymaker. And this store sells all kinds of Star Wars toys and games, Star Wars musical instruments, a full line of plush dolls that are inspired by the fighter pilot doll that is made by Ray. And everything appears to be made by Black Spire vendors. So corporate logos and packaging that you would see on most Disney toys are very downplayed and not super noticeable. If you're looking for clothing, there are three stores you can visit. If you support the Resistance, you're going to want to shop at Resistance Supply. If you support the First Order, you're going to shop at First Order Cargo. And if you find yourself neutral, you're going to shop at Black Spire Outfitters. Uh, all three of these clothing shops sell handmade clothes from the Star Wars universe, so not your basic t-shirts. Here you're going to find um, clothes that the Disney merchandise team has partnered with Lucas Films to create. So everything has been inspired by the actual costumes and outfits that you see in the Star Wars films, uh, not your typical Earth clothing. However, if you are looking for that kind of thing, you can find it at Jewels of Bith. This is defined as an intergalactic accessory store, but basically it is filled with Black Spire Outpost souvenirs. So your t-shirts, your hats, magnets, keychains, all that kind of fun stuff. However, remember, it's not going to say Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It is going to be specific to Black Spire Outpost because they don't want to give away that this is not a real place. So everything I've read says that even if you don't want to shop, you should definitely go into the stores because of the amazing theming, animatronics, and decor. Uh, you're basically walking through this intergalactic marketplace that Disney has just beautifully created. Each store has their own shopkeeper, animatronic, um, just a lot of very specific theming went into this place, and it will be really cool to experience. Some other little fun facts about shopping on Batu: um, You can transfer money onto a metal spira, which can be used anywhere in Batu, and it basically looks like a little metal coin and works as a gift card. So instead of paying with your actual money or your gift card, you feel like you're paying with the form of money that the people of Batu would use. Um, however, this does have a minimum of a hundred dollars when you exchange it, but you're probably going to find yourself spending that. Let's be honest. If you're really wanting to participate in everything Galaxy's Edge has to offer in the first place, uh, Austin mentioned this a little bit, but pricing is discussed, discussed in credits, not dollars. It is a one-to-one -one exchange rate, so that's easy, but they are going to be asking you for credits. Everything is created specifically for Galaxy's Edge. You can't find this stuff anywhere else. And you also, as I've said a few times, can't find any Star Wars Galaxy's Edge merchandise. There aren't actual signs for the stores, which is something that 
creates this immersive environment. They want you to pull out your app and use the translate function. They want you to talk to cast members and ask where certain things are. They really want you to engage with the land. And all of the merch that is sold off-world is going to be very different from the what you will find in Black Spire Outpost. There you can find your Star Wars Galaxy's Edge t-shirts and pins and all that kind of good stuff that you're looking for. Very nice. An, even one more souvenir type of thing you can get is one of those really elaborate souvenir mugs at Oga's Cantina. And actually, if you go there, some of the drinks are going to force you to buy that souvenir mug. So if you go into Oga's, you'll routinely see things from 30, 40, 50 bucks. And just know that that will be your drink and a very, very ornate, beautiful souvenir mug too. And you also need to be willing to wait hours to get into Oga's. So make a reservation if you can. One thing I wanted to bring up is, well, just the fact that it's hard to try to do a spot like this justice on a podcast just because you're not seeing it. Galaxy's Edge is a place that pictures don't even do it justice. And um, it is just so immersive and decorative. And I'm not going to try to compare it to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, but it's certainly theming that's on that level. And you just feel like you've traveled to a different planet. Another thing that we brought up, I, I think, an episode or two ago is trying to think about what the wait time would be when Galaxy's Edge opened. It opened at Hollywood Studios August 28th, and we were checking some wait times around other parks, and we saw, Kylie, you saw like 20 minutes for Space Mountain, right? Even in the same park, I saw 15 minutes routinely for Tower of Terror, 30 minutes for Rock and Roller Coaster. It seemed that people were avoiding this place. I'm sure they had a huge, huge, huge group of really intense Star Wars fans who wanted to be there for the opening few days. But overall, I think most Disney fans kind of want to wait at least until Rise of the Resistance is open before checking this place out. I mean, how can we truly even decide how great this spot is until the main attraction is open? I mean, without that, think about how people would have considered Pandora if Flight of Passage wasn't operating. Like, I just feel like we we have a lot of initial excitement, but I think it's all going to rev up again once we get to see how fantastic Rise of the Resistance is going to be. Just before we end our podcast today, I wanted to give one quick reminder again, just to check out our Patreon page. That is patreon.com slash Disney Daydream, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Disney Daydream. If you are thinking about supporting us financially, we truly, truly thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope that you enjoy all of the perks that are going to come along with that, and we hope that you choose to do it sooner rather than later, because the very first 10 patrons are going to be entered into that drawing to win a piece of Disney art created by Emma. So trust me, you are not going to want to miss that. So at least check it out. um, Give it some thought. We do have some costs that we're trying to defray, and we want to be able to bring you informative, entertaining content on a very frequent basis.
So I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Disney Daydream podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll join us for the next one. Remember, be kind to one another and take the time to find a magical moment in each and every day.